0: Hello, Stephen. David! Listen. What? (laughs) What sort of a jerk drops that sort of news (laughs) at the last minute Here's is what I want to know. Here's what I want to know. Here's okay. what I want to know. You said you maybe you're quitting television professionally, and and before we, before we go any further, mm-hmm. I want to know: is that the truth or is that a cover story? Because the television police have finally caught up with you from catch, watching everything at one and a half speed, and have decided that that criminal event means you should no longer be allowed to watch anything. <laughs>
1: There's a lot going on in that question, um, Officer Roger. Oh, oh,
0: hang on, <laughs> have you decided to give up on this because your, your like, television PC broke?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, it's been broken for a long time. Okay, alright. So I haven't been watching anything at one and a half times speed for a long time.
0: Okay, good. Nor should you. No, no, some things it, you need to. It was appalling behaviour. Well, like, to be fair, if you watch The Bachelor at one and a half speed, would you really notice the difference?
1: Well, all you would notice is that things happen a little bit quicker than they otherwise do. Um, and and I think, if I recall correctly, Dave, what I said was, I think I just quit television. You think so yeah. yeah, I had a conversation with um, my um, co-editors uh, in the TV franchise thing that I do and just said to them, look, I haven't... I, I've been feeling that I haven't been pulling my weight and there hasn't been um, a lot of energy from my perspective towards a lot of it and um I, I just i feel like i haven't been doing what i should be doing and and i'm kind of feeling a bit guilty but also not feeling guilty about it if that makes any sense
0: sorry not sorry
1: yeah yeah so um we're we're gonna reconvene and have another conversation and and look at this point i'll probably run till the end of the year in the, because they proposed, well, how about you do this instead of that and, and don't feel guilty about it because we understand you're busy and all those sorts of things. The, the empath in me is like, yeah, but you guys are busy too. Hmm. This isn't a one-way street. No one's employed full-time to run the, the TV empire. Um, so, well, I will, we'll try this. So I'm going to try this other approach until until the end of the year. And if things within me aren't feeling like they're in a better place, then I'll just not be a thing anymore. I mean, I never was a thing to start with, but it'll just mean that they'll well, continue I mean, on without me.
0: Well, you were a thing. I mean, you know, you are, you were, Mulks TV Talk. Oh, I'm not a thing. I'm not a thing. You know, uh, the, the podcast I most wanted to guest on in all of Australian podcastum years ago was Mulks TV Talk.
1: Well, no, you didn't, Dave, but I appreciate I, that. No, I did, this. I did.
0: I I, I even, had, like, like, because you, you had your standard set of questions, mm. and I, I even had a couple of answers ready to go. I, I, I had pre-prepared, just on the <laughs> off chance, that maybe <laughs> one week you had no one interesting to talk to, Dave. and I might find myself on Malk's TV talk, never got there. I mean, I, I was I was so, so grateful to, of course, be on Humans of Twitter with you, mm. which was a, another one of your fine, fine audio productions, but... I think Mock's TV talk was really where I was aiming oh, for.
1: You are talking that way up more than no, more, no, was. No, I loved that show. I
0: and it, look, it. It,
1: it, it, it's showing its age now. If you go back and listen to some of the early episodes, which of course are still available on the internet, <laughs> um, yeah, not so much. And it also talks about television at a different time, to be fair. Mm. Um, look, it's um, it's a bit of a sad kind of realisation, to to sort of speak it out loud as I did to my friends because it was like this is 12 or 13 years I've been doing this now as a, a sidebar to uh, trying to hold down a job and, and be in a family um, and there's lots of it that I enjoy but, uh, unsurprisingly there's also a whole lot of shit in it that is not mm-hmm. fun and part of that is dealing with networks who get their knickers in a twist Over things that you say, yet on one hand profess, no, we want you to just share your opinion. You do you. You're not beholden to us. But then as soon as you say something they don't like, they just ostracize you, cut you out. So, you know.
0: Yeah. (laughs) To to quote... Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's awesome character in Almost Famous. These people are not your friends. (laughs) Mm, They
1: are not your friends. Now, I I have been very lucky in that to date, I've made uh, a number of, you know, formed a number of great relationships. Some even I would go so far as saying friendships uh, within people who are in or now out of the biz. I've never, ever and maintain to this day, never been in it for gossip. I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, there's a very, you know, I'll say reasonably famous, at least within the Australian entertainment industry, um, commentator who is, as best I would put it, a muckraker. Um, they will um, try and intentionally bait people and stir things up on Twitter, uh, social media, to get them to say something so that they, get a bite out of them so that they've got a story to, to tell on their, you know, on their radio spots or on their TV spots. That
0: I, don't <laughs> I, was, care. I, was, I was about to say, would this be a radio person who was a fairly relatively early adopter of Twitter for mainstream media?
1: No, oh, possibly.
0: Oh, um, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's it, like, I've never cared about the gossip side of it. And I have mm. been handed yep. some pretty juicy tidbits. I have been at some after parties where some pretty juicy things have happened. No, nah, just file that like just it goes in the memory banks as well what a crazy night or uh, that's it like i'm not i'm not there to say oh such and such did thing with someone else and oh uh, but they're married or there's something else um no i don't care um and i because i know that there's this whole for me it's always been about the television it's always been about what lands on our screens and what's happening in the boardrooms that determines what lands on our screens and even in the 13 years that I've been doing it, Dave, so much has changed. Like, it was changing when I started, but holy crap, 13 years ago, we had exactly zero streaming services.
0: Yeah. And, and let's bear in mind, too, that even then, um, Australian Network TV was a massively different business to what it had yep. been oh, um, 20 years of before money, that.
1: The amount of money that it was pulling, yeah, well, that's right. It, and and the industry was uh, look, and and I think at the time it was uh, even would have been acknowledged by most people that the industry was in decline
0: then. Yeah. Um.
1: Yep. Uh, however, it was still hanging on, particularly through the two thousands, still hanging on to the you know, we're television, we're making a buttload of money, you know, nothing's gonna beat us, blah blah blah, and the internet really saw to that um (laughs) yeah hold my beer (laughs) yeah really like really clearly and and all of the networks even the abc who were uh, to be frank have been you know kind of leaders within the industry around adopting streaming and internet technologies and catch-up things and those sorts of things at least in the australian context um all of the networks were slow to to transform their business and do anything nine to their credit threw a whole bunch of money on the table and started this weird um, partnership with Fairfax to create Stan. Um, marginally just ahead of Netflix, I think it was. I can't even remember the timing. I think they were
0: within yeah, months think, of each I other. They were, I think they were slightly ahead.
1: Yeah, within months of each other. But of, and, of course,
0: Netflix already had enormous mind share and people like me who had been accessing it via a VPN mm, for however long anyway. So yeah, hard but to even, compete even, with that branding.
1: Even through the catch-up services, the the, the short-lived Presto that was a Foxtel oh, yeah. Channel 7 uh, joint, joint effort that really did nothing to light up anything because Foxtel had no idea. Um, and to be frank, only in the last couple of years I've proven that they've got any idea but aren't doing it well. And then, this is a, a glorious little, just icing on the cake, as recent as this weekend, Dave, Um, a pretty large motor race is happening this weekend Mm, and, mm. uh, the best place honestly to watch it is on Foxtel, right? You can watch it on channel 10, but it's a really limited coverage. It's nowhere near as good. Of course, there are a million ads in it. Uh, if you watch it on Foxtel, it's, it's pretty great. Um, now in the last few years, they have launched, they Foxtel have launched their own sports focused streaming service called KO. So that instead of paying heaps of money to Foxtel to get Foxtel now and then sort of having to buy the sports pack, just here's all our sport. Now, it's still more expensive than most other streaming services. But if you're a sports fan, so many people went, yeah, I'm not paying Foxtel 50 bucks a month. I'm going to pay them 25 bucks a month and get everything. And to their credit, they put apps on most major places and things. So whether it was Apple TV or your smart televisions or whatever, um, great work. Well done.
0: Yeah, they still don't have an app for the LG television. I yeah, know yeah. that because I constantly hear complaints about that from it's not my great. <laughs> no, no, It's not great.
1: But that's the challenge, right? And this is constantly. this is the problem with... It's not just poor old Ko. This is everybody. When you move into an app-based environment, it means that you either have to build an app for everything um, or really rationalize what you're going to pour energy into to build that app for. And this brings me to my point. This weekend, Foxtel removed from their own little imported and rebadged uh, plug into your television set top box device called the Foxtel Now box. Yeah. They removed the KO and binge apps <laughs> from that device yesterday <laughs> on the Friday of this weekend. That's now, so funny. <laughs> here, here's the catch there are a number of people that use. KO on that platform to mm. watch Foxtel, to watch the sport. Guess what they can't do this weekend? Oh, good Lord. It's like, at, at some point, Dave, I know I'm not the smartest man in the room by any stretch. At some point, I just want to get a whole bunch of executives and put them in a bag and shake them up and throw them in a river with a tiger because, goodness gracious me, they ha- they they just have no idea what their decisions mean to their customers and that's like we're beyond you know people watching free-to-air television being seen uh, as anything but just viewers right there was always a dodgy relationship as soon as i start paying for a service that's netflix stan whatever it is i'm a customer mm, so oh, oh, yeah well, yeah well, that, that,
0: that's it, it like, your, your customers aren't the advertisers uh, and those people who you've been spending decades taking yes. out for long lunches—it's yep. its, a, it's um, you know grumpy bastard sixty-four <laughs> who's posting yep. on Facebook just going, "I can't watch my this. You are yep. shit." Yes. So
1: I and I get it, right? I get from from because Foxtel own Binge and Ko. They own them wholly. But somewhere in that process, they've gone, it is too expensive. Someone made a decision to say it is too expensive to keep the apps for our products up to date for our little set-top box.
0: Man, that's so, so dumb.
1: So short-sighted.
0: But again, it also, again, I don't have the technological know-how to build a streaming service from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can understand. Oh, ha- lots of it is off the, the shelf the... stuff now, Dave. Well, the thing I can understand why you know, taking something off the shelf might be an attractive proposition, but if you're going to do that, you should probably think through all of these things at the uh, start, or you so should go, much. well, you know, do some kind of hybrid thing, or do something so that we have some control ourselves about how this gets put together. And 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 here's the thing: this is, I think, where um, the internet beats the crap out of these places mm. is because they they're now content providers that are part technology company and they they don't understand that yet. Yes, a, which is why um, someone like Amazon can come in and stomp all over uh, legacy yeah. media providers with yep. zero uh, understanding of media. You know, to that point, they've just gone. Let's get a catalog. Let's put together yep. a, a system to deliver it. Bang, we're a competitor. Oh,
1: and the benefit to Amazon is not only can they say, here's a whole bunch of content and we've got apps on all the things, but we can ship to you in one day a television that has our app preloaded on it and it will just work. Yeah. Like, it, it, it that's a, a, a special whole other level of craziness. I mean, it's it, it's legitimately... It, I would hate to be the person that makes the decisions... Here uh, people who have been listening into our phone calls for some time mm. will know that um, you and I have both bought televisions in the last
0: while. We sure um, I have. Um, <laughs> some of us with a less, you know. Less success ro- 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 than others. Ro- well, no, we ended up having great success. It was just a rocky road. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's true. Rocky isn't yeah. the same for you guys. No? It was a month-long process for us to get a
1: new television. <laughs> get a whole new screen, yeah. <laughs> um, we, we bought one at the start oh, of the year. Um, yeah. Yeah. And because that was during the hiatus of the podcast, I haven't talked about it. Mm. Um, but I can tell you that if there's a fire in our house, I'm only <laughs> waking up my son to help me carry the television out.
0: <laughs> what did you get?
1: Uh, we got a 65-inch Super Duper Sony Android Shabangabang. Bang. Amazing television. It's mm. an amazing television, Lovely. Dave. Lovely. And look, I had the checklist, right? It had to be... Um, led lcd all of the whatever all the l's it had to be big we had a 55 we went to a 65 convinced my lovely wife that we needed one to be that big because she said 55 is as big as we'll ever need how wrong she was um <laughs> you know it, it had to have you know a number of hdmi's and it had to have plug in and all of the things as far as platforms go i really was at that point sitting at samsung versus sony now i know mm. that both of them bring a dollar value to each of their names and I happened to have a reasonably recent Samsung sitting, like a smaller version, sitting up in my study. And I just looked at that platform and in the way it functioned, I just went, oh, it's, you know, it's Samsung's kind of, you know, own operating system running on their thing. And that's good because they own it, but that's bad because they don't update it often and it's not very good and blah, blah, blah. And and when I was watching, looking at this Sony, I was like, oh, it's, it's like a proper Android television.
0: Which is rich really, is really funny because that's the exact one of the checklist reasons <laughs> I didn't consider those brands. <laughs> well, it, proper Android
1: television, and it had all the apps.
0: Mm, so, yeah.
1: and that is at, a big deal. At the time I bought it, it had all of the streaming services. It had Foxtel now as a, as an app. Mm-hmm. Um, so it meant that I could just install it and put my my details in, and there's Foxtel on our big screen TV. Yeah, um, and that's like, magic. Like oh, like. And Such it, a great user experience.
0: In, in our household, like the LG has got apps for most of the things that we use. Obviously, yeah, um, none of our Apple content. Yes. Still, I mean, the, I think there is an Apple app coming out for the Samsung ones, but I don't, don't know about ours. But oh, you, know, you can
1: buy Sony TVs with an Apple TV yeah. built into them now.
0: But we have an Apple TV anyway, so that was like well, that. Yeah. That's beside the point. And honestly, I, I was like, oh, I probably won't use the built-in apps because mm-hmm. I've got. All the apps on the apple tv anyway and we just so quickly went to going well let's just use the app on the yeah on the television it was it was hilariously oh, fast mate.
1: and 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 here, so here's the differential as well right we we'd had uh, a fetch mighty set top box mm-hmm. For easily twelve plus months prior to this, so that had become our primary mechanism when it was plugged into our old 55-inch Sony of how we watched Netflix, of how we watched Stan, yep. all of because it was just for for the family and everyone. It was just easy. You press two buttons and you're in there. The app is a little bit different, but it worked. You know, it gave us all of the things that we wanted, and and even as recently as this year, they've added uh, fetch have added Amazon Prime Video to their Mm -hmm. platform and i think they're still negotiating with foxtel or binge um to put their app into the suite as well which if you don't have a smart tv and you know you have need to record television mate the fetch mighty is you walk into harvey norman or wherever buy it from Fetch direct like just buy it plug it in and it just works it's amazing, and then you've got all of that other extra stuff, plus they themselves have a whole bunch of channel packs that you can buy for like piddly bucks a month. Um, No, not all of it's super duper, and there's no Fox showcase or anything like that, but there's a really good range of entertainment and kids stuff and movies and all sorts of things. Um, So as an all-in-one kind of dealio, the fetch is an incredible scenario. What I saw happen without even my could have, without my encouragement, I saw my family pick up the television remote and press the apps button, because I'd spent some time sort of curating and setting it all up and stuff, but they pressed the apps button and went into Netflix and went into Stan and went into all of the places that way, rather than through the fetch set-top box process as they had been. Now, we still watch TV through the fetch, even though the TV has an antenna plugged straight into it, and you can sit there and watch TV directly out of the terrestrial antenna. Um, but oh, they, they, the, the catch come is... Back, my... Come
0: back to terrestrial antennas. Yeah. a story for you.
1: Oh, good. My wife has so trained my kids, however, and look, they're both, you know, really solid, you know, sort of Generation Z alpha kids, um, who are YouTube fiends, yeah. yep. right? So ads are something that you wait five seconds and press skip, yeah um, <laughs> And, and so, but because they've got, you know, the dad that I am and a mum who enjoys her television as well, any free-to-air television they watch, with a, with only a few exceptions, it is recorded and it is watched the next night so they can just go skip five-minute chump um, through the ad break or fast-forward at 32 times to get to the show and then, right, the ads are all gone, here we go, keep going. Um it, it's pretty amazing that, that that's the that's generally their thing. The only exceptions have been when we were watching I think it was Lego Masters and I didn't have a preview mm-hmm. and they had to we had to watch it live. So there's a few shows that there but they hate the fact that ads are there you know they, they kind of agree or acknowledge the social contract but are out of it. Um, at the same time Dave, we're planning to build a house. The only reason that we're putting a terrestrial antenna on the house is because of me ostensibly. <laughs>
0: well that brings me to my story so we've as we've discussed uh you know redone the inside of the house and yep. had that all set up great and as', as oh, it's so good it feel, it's it just doesn't feel like the place that our children have been beating the crap out of for, mm. you know 16 years anymore it's good. understood anyway the uh one of the things that, that we did was we turned around our uh, lounge room. like, like yes we, we completely switched the, the where our entertainment cabinet is from the southern wall to the northern yeah. wall. okay and um, yeah and like changed the couch arrangement and because there are all sorts Great. of bits and pieces that, for the way that the, it was laid out before yeah. that, that served a whole bunch of pro like a whole bunch of things needs that had evolved over the years. Sure. but but of course, after not having access to that room for, you know, <laughs> a couple of months, as yes. it became a storage venue for other rooms in the house, and then it itself got pulled to pieces and whatever. Uh, when you get to come back with a clean slate, all sorts of different things happen, which is how I got you know the, my new CD cabinet yep. in there and all sorts Great. of bits and pieces like that. Uh, but of course. Uh, as we'd sort of set it up i realized oh look the the tv antenna is on the wrong side it's uh, over there mm. so i called a local oh, no. dude oh, no no, no. Yep. <laughs> called a local dude he came um ran new cable uh, did a really great neat job uh, great. actually managed to pop it um in the wall socket where we've got ethernet that runs out to um you know runs Ethernet out to the shed where i'm sitting great, right now yep. yeah good all good stuff and i'm like yep great that was about oh, two and a bit months ago maybe steve oh yeah anyway the other day we were getting the electricians back into our house to oh did i tell you we finally no, no longer have any fire hazards in the electrical <laughs> work in our house <laughs> so that's that's another big moment
1: I did see the photo of all this cable just dropped on the grass or somewhere yeah, that, at your place, and I went, that, oh, it's happening.
0: Most of that wasn't cable. Most of that was, like, um, 70-odd-year-old metal conduit. <laughs>
1: amazing.
0: <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, so we had to move a few bits and pieces around as the electricians were working. And as they did, they, so as, as after they left, I was sort of, you know, just double-checking everything, and I looked down... I looked at this port where the, you know, the ethernet goes into the wall from the router yes. and I'm going, oh, there's, there's nothing plugged into the antenna. Dave. Yep. And then I went, oh, we haven't actually watched any live TV <sighs> mm. in... Two and a half months. Well, longer because the other room was out of action. Uh-huh. <laughs> we haven't watched any live TV in this house Yep. Since at least February this year, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just look, hasn't happened at all. It, and even it's twenty twenty. Right? On, on the on the few occasions that we do watch uh, any kind of uh, you know, terrestrial TV, uh, we we go to their catch up platforms anyway. <gasps> oh that, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, I know, but we, <laughs> it, they're so bad. They are, but again, I think it's been Lego Masters yeah or, or or we watched like uh, i've like turned on the abc app a couple of times yeah like whatever their live version of stuff is that's not quite iview or whatever mm. uh, and that's it other than that it's all just if it's not on one of our streaming services or we haven't bought it from itunes we pretty much don't watch it
1: see and here's the challenge right it's been in the last i'm gonna say 24 months that the networks have realized that they need to make available this, and this might sound, Dave, either completely stupid or completely amazing, but I'm pretty sure I know which way it'll land for you. In the last 24 months, the TV networks have realized they have to put live streaming windows to their channels in their smart TV apps. Yes. Because so many people are uh, moving into places where they're not connecting up the antenna or the antenna is broken and they don't want to get it fixed or what? The, if they don't provide that option, people aren't watching.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, th- just think about uh, how many places, even like in Sydney, where, especially if you're in apartment buildings or things mm. like that, yeah, getting, yeah, yeah. getting TV antenna c- connectivity is way harder way harder than getting internet connectivity
1: mate you drive around some parts of cities and you see the foxtel antennas hanging off people's balconies Mm -hmm. right like that in itself is a sign of just how horrific body corporate life is (laughs) um to to give you an an indication for us here hang on let
0: me make a note what's that body corporate (laughs) look welcome
1: to mox tv talk the podcast where we're going to stray into real estate um the, the the we're renting as I said you know for the first time in fifteen years. Mm. Uh, admittedly, we're renting from that we're re- we're renting the house off the church that we're attending, which is part of the faith denomination that I work for. Um. So yeah, that sounds like something that could show up in front of ICAC, mate. <sighs> mate, it's everything is way above board on this <laughs> until we move out and they try and hit us up to fix something, and that's not <laughs> happening. Um. Anyway, so. I mean, when we landed, um, the carpets needed cleaning. And this is after the real estate agent had inspected it after the former tenants had moved out. We walked in on the first day and went, these carpets have not been cleaned. And we saw the rental, you know, kind of uh, start. Like when we, got, when we were walking around and doing the rental, you know, kind of checklist to say, you know, oh, this is the state condition report. Yep. Mate, yep. we had we had the copy after the rental agent had done it, and they had made notes of it. And, and you'll love this in in the the, the, the children's or the main bathroom. Um, that uh, this is fine. This is the thing. Everything's clean. Uh, some uh, one or two uh, tiles, blue green, uh, uh, one tile cracked or something like that. We walked in there, and nothing about that statement was correct. <laughs>
0: Why am I not amazed to like, hear that? To Steven? the point
1: where I don't think they walked through the house before or mm. after. There's like every, every chance, every chance. I mean, horrendous, horrendous. Yeah. Anyway, so so not because I'm a nerd. I saw that there were you know Ethernet cables run really poorly around the place, and I just went bugger this. Like I'm going to get this fixed because it's a mess and I'm going to want to plug stuff in and run ethernet into a couple of places like down to our television downstairs. Mm-hmm. So got a guy in, he got that fixed for us. Marvelous. And then about four or five months later, we noticed we had some, some tuning problems. We were like, as soon as the TVs were unpacked, they were tuned up and ready to go. Right. Yep. But I noticed that, you know, that they just didn't, sometimes they didn't get all the channels or they missed a whole range in the spectrum. And I went, that's really weird. And I just put it down to we've got too many devices on, so I went round and unplugged a few, and then no, that wasn't it, and then it was the main TV, and I went, oh, that's really strange, that that's not it, or that you know that, that SBS particularly would be really. Um, segmenting and would drop in and out and do all sorts of weird stuff lose signal mm-hmm. anyway we got the same guy back who also did antennas as like that was his professional job yep and he sort of yeah, well, yeah and he comes back to us. um so there's no antenna on the roof <laughs> and i went oh that's curious he's just, just been picking up the signal from the cable in the wall no even better um uh, there's no antenna on the roof because i because i could uh, could see uh, there's a a splitter box a powered amplifier in the top of one of the um you know master bedroom walk-in robes and i went well i know what that is and he said said, so what's the deal he said oh no i found the antenna and he showed me a picture um some whoever had put it put it in had installed it inside the roof cavity
0: our holiday house at yamble was like that yeah, because because it was a two story house, so it, yes. like, it probably would have been a seventies build. To, yep. it, it was like, and it had a um, and it had a tiled roof. So yep. again, I guess the the theory was, well, that like the the tiled roof isn't going to um, reflect the signal the way that a colour bond roof would, and right. if it's if it's up in the roof cavity, you don't have to get on top of this two story building. Everyone's happy, especially what, when when there's like two like VHF signals that you're picking up. Yep, that's what hockey
1: sticks are for, just by the way. So you can <laughs> mount them onto the bricks to get around the guttering. But nonetheless, um, anyway, this is how long this wow. guy had been doing it on the Central Coast. He said, "Oh, and I saw something else that he said. It made me realise it was this guy who we've run out of town." <laughs> so. I just went oh, look i can't be stuff what's it going to cost to fix it and he said well hopefully i can just do this and it'll be fine i found the right place that i need to mount it he said i've walked around on your roof with a signal thing to, you know we can put it here here or there as long as we don't have to run a full mast up off the ground um it'll cost you the antenna and of this and something else and and lucky luckily enough it was just that and dave we just paid for it yeah we yep. just went it's done. It's a couple hundred bucks. We have television working properly in the house. Um, the what, what you did, what you did, was you
0: paid hundreds of dollars to not have to speak to a real estate agent.
1: Oh, mate! <laughs> and, and to be frank, not not to have to pressure um, the the church, who you know, as a part of the arrangement, we're basically sidestepping the the real estate agency and just talking to them. When yep. we moved in, they said, "Oh, the back fence has to be replaced." which it did because there's a pool and it was an old pool fence that had rusted and broken and wasn't up to code even then. Yeah. And it was the back fence out onto like a big open kind of park area. So any kid could have come and just jumped in the pool.
0: Yeah, nothing good Um, comes from that.
1: No. So they knew they had to fix that. They had to replace the internal pool fence as well. Uh, There was just a few things they said, we know about this, we're going to get it done. Great. Uh, They did get it done. However, we also then said, oh, and you need to fix this and this and this, because these things are not up to standard. And oh, yeah, we'll come and fix it. Mate, it, as it stands right now, Dave, we have a gas hot water system. It's the only gas thing on the property, oh, other than the, um, the, the cooktop in, yep. the, uh, in, the, in the kitchen. And so it's an old school. It's not even an instant one. It's like it's a gas. Yep, a furnace. Yep. Yeah, that basically heats up a big pot of water Mm -hmm. and then you turn it on and you get a hot shower. Um, The water pressure out of that hot water system is diabolical. (laughs) Like to the point where we went, guys, you need to replace this. It is like the cold water. It will blow you down the street. (laughs) But you turn the hot water on. And it kind of is a reasonable dribble. It's a little bit better, but certainly not the same pressure as the cold water. And we're like, why is it like this? Oh, we don't know. Can you get a plumber to look at it? No.
0: Because they can't afford not, it. It's not just, not just some kind of weird valve on the exit of the hot water Dave, system? Or... It well could be. It
1: well could be. But However, they just don't want to know. They don't want to know. They don't want they to they know are. about it. It's not broken. We nearly got them to buy a new hot water system and then they're backed away from it. Um, at this point... It's gonna keep going. I even toyed with the idea of, oh, look, I'll just get a plumber and get him to look at it and tell us why our hot water is so crap. Sure. Um, and then, and then we decided to buy a block of land and went, you know, what, we'll just cope with it until we
0: move out. That sounds. i like for it now. That sounds like a very sensible option.
1: Like I'm happy to fix things. The only thing is, even in the conversation now, we've been talking to to the church and they're talking. Oh yeah, no, we might we might sell the property when you guys move out. We'll certainly need to, you know, repaint it and put new carpet down. We're like, yep. You really do need to do both of those things. Mm. Um, th- you'll probably find that when you rip the carpet up, you'll need to do more than just that. Um, but you know, we'll see where that lands for you. It's it's and we, we, like we've got a, a great deal of empathy for them because, as you'd appreciate, churches have been through the ringer a bit this year. Um, a bit worried about how they would survive from an income perspective, given that it all comes out of the pockets of people who attend. And when you're not attending. Um, and you're an older person that is a bit sceptical about, I don't know, internet banking, um, maybe you're not giving money to the church like you used to be.
0: No, well, well, but but to be fair, that's why every bloody um, uh, Christian church in Australia runs... Thirty seven private schools, because that's their new cash cow. <laughs> Almost, but not really. Um, look, there, there is indeed some of that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, there, look, there is some of that, and, and without without diving too deep, a, deep into some load of, of the it politics, down here, let me tell you. Oh, no, I can imagine, mate. um You know, I, I, for example, I know in Melbourne, um, the two most exclusive. You know, triple A class, whatever you want to call them, you know, uh, GPS private schools in Melbourne. One is run by the Anglican Church, and one is run by the Uniting Church. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, where we, we, in it, grade four, Dave, are you ready for this? In grade sure. four, your annual school fees will cost you thirty thousand dollars.
0: Oh dear! Well, grade and, four, and, and and you know the great thing is. We've seen the results that we get for uh, spending that much money on, on these kids' education uh, mm. every year when inevitably there is some new uh, horror story on the news about yep. some racist, misogynistic mm. or otherwise unpleasant thing that they've planned to do. And so, that's you just know, the political Money part. well spent. Money well spent.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, no, it's it's horrendous. And, and not, trust
0: not, me, an insti- not, not an institutional problem at all, Stephen. Not an there institutional is, problem at all.
1: There is lots of consternation that happens, at least within my denomination, um, every 18 months when we get together for our, our regular meeting, we call it a synod, um, because we meet on the grounds of one of these schools. And there is uh, a big chunk of people within our movement that you would say are um, bleeding hearts, if not more so,
0: the so, you, but, so. So people who've actually read the words of Jesus Christ and taken them to heart.
1: Well, see, let, let's not go too far down this path just, let, just yet, Dave. <laughs> that are of the opinion that you know we, we shouldn't be in the business of exclusive um, you know, uh, high-fee school. Uh, that that's not what it's about. Um, and, and look, it, I, I completely understand their position, just as I understand the position of the other people who say these are assets that were handed to us down over the years from people who, in their first instance, started them with a view that maybe they actually wanted to just help people, young people particularly, uh, and train them and teach them and do all of those sorts of things. And that over the years they have morphed, grown or intentionally been built into these bastions of privilege. um, Privilege, Definitely. (laughs) I can't speak to the financials, Dave. I do know that they are very interesting places to run. I've Mm. never been close enough to the books on any of them to be able to speak to their financial position. Um, however, they do charge an inordinate amount of cash. Um, for people to send their sons or daughters to those places.
0: Well, look it's it's just it's it's just the new middle class thing. It's like, well, we can't get people to come to oh, church, Dave, so some of what are we going to do? Are... Well, what we're going to do is we're going to let them buy into the idea that um, they're not looking after their children unless they've got them at a private school because public mm. schools are shit, um, mm. and we'll frighten them into that, and then we'll charge. Which them. is only
1: exaggerated by our politicians. Let's yeah. just lean on and,
0: that. And then we'll um, we'll. Um, charge them, you know, X thousand dollars a year. I mean, and, and I know I know not everywhere charges thirty thousand dollars a year. But again, No, no, that's I, really top endy like, kind of but, town. But like it's not unusual for a lot of these places to be charging six, seven, eight thousand bucks a year. Mm. Right? Like that's 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 not um shocking. All that that's pretty I think that's what they'd like to refer to themselves as low fee independent schools. Correct. And again, when they I mean I, <laughs> low fee to who is my first question. But yeah, Stephen, the cynic in me would be hard to convince that um, the massive, massive growth in uh, church schools over the last 20 years is anything other than, um, you know, a way of uh, replacing lost income.
1: You, you'll you find, uh, and look, I can only speak for, for the denom- denomination I work for. Sure. In their scenario, the... the over the last twenty years, schooling has been very distantly connected to them, mm-hmm. to the point where they barely—most of them don't even know that they're a United Church school. Yeah, like it's—it's yep. they, they, it's, they live within their identity that they have crafted and carefully cultured, independent of what we think of the culture inside the place. Mm-hmm. Um, to to be. A place where, you know, because they're, they're selling a service. They're selling yes. a service to parents. Absolutely. And and I'm going to put to you that for a fair chunk of them that I'm aware of, mate, it's not even, it's a middle-class dream to send your children yeah, to well, these schools. I like, mean, such are taken. the fee schedules. Point taken. Um, how, and it's only continued and built up, particularly now and in the last, let's say, 30 to 40 years, right? The 80s have a lot to answer for in this, where... You know, because the, the whole push of the 80s and into the 90s was about position and privilege and uh, who you know, not what you know. And private oh, schools absolutely. absolutely exacerbated that. But, um, being yeah. part of the old boy or old girl networks meant that you did or didn't get the job and turning up to the right, uh, the job interview with the right school tie on meant that you made the first cut instantly, um, depending on what and where it was. Now, the extension of that, of course, is that we then have these places that become so self-contained and self-absorbed that their connection to church becomes merely a financial one, i.e. we get tax break benefits out of being a school that's connected connected to a, a faith institution. They don't, they don't get it all tax-free. It's not that far because the, the whole school structure is very, very different. Um, I think the only ones that can claim that are parish-based Catholic schools, um, mm. and they are very different to your higher-end oh, Catholic schools. God, yeah. yes. Right, These and the and, that, and the, and, the and, priest and look, is basically the principal.
0: And look, there are you know uh, Catholic schools that are as bad as um, any of the, mm. the the other ones. So it's not like they're exclusive, but the, but the, again, there's there's very very different strata within the Catholic school system, um, which they themselves um if we've seen recently uh reinforced because they pinch money that's supposed to be going to their poor schools and they send it oh, to their elite ones yeah, So don't even don't even and isn't, it, but isn't that
1: great oh the worst mate the other part of this that that only makes it more horrific and more difficult to to be a part of the the, the mess that is faith and schooling all kind of muddled together is that then we have the politicians who particularly and and i we're getting into dangerous territory now, (laughs) particularly our conservative friends, conservative Mm. political friends, Mm. who Mm. continue to spout forth the idea and have been allowed to suggest that private, independent and private schools should receive their, air quotes, fair share of funding as Mm. public schools do. Even though, to go to a public school, Dave, you and I both know, um we're part of the public school system you just turn up yep. you enroll you turn up you know ideally you're wearing the uniform you've got your books you're ready to go um and they do everything they can the teachers in the public system to deliver a strong education to to help grow and develop and shape young minds to provide them with the best opportunities that they can and some of them do an incredible job of that some of them are well, most of them grossly underfunded um And it's only highlighted when you look at, uh, and I know I can use this example, places like the King's School in Sydney, (laughs) uh, which all but borders where, and that's not a Uniting Church school, um, but it's a very, very exclusive school in Sydney, um, used government funding to put in a second swimming pool, Dave.
0: Yeah. A second swimming pool. It's it's appalling. When
1: up the road, the local public school doesn't have air conditioning in North Parramatta. It's outrageous.
0: It is disgusting. You but you so, won't you won't get any argument from me about that. I mean, and and the the, the worst thing is too that the deck is completely stacked against them. One hundred percent. Like hundred. Like, um, I'm not sure if this is still the rules or whether this has been modified, but uh, but previously, you weren't allowed to have uh, any entities attached to a public school that had charity status. Mm. So, for example, if you were uh, giving money to uh, a, a private school like a, mm. you know, and yes. and they uh, have charitable foundations and they stuff they have yeah. charitable funds attached to the school so you can give yeah this is on top of your, what you pay in your fees of course yeah of, of course. course but you could you could give money to that fund at the school and get a tax deduction because yeah you know, it's a charity you if you give money to your local public school or at least up until very recently i don't I, again i don't know the status of this today yeah. as we speak but i know previously this was absolutely the case you, you uh, no 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 tax break no now, break. Um, imagine and what a imagine what a difference it would make if this one little thing, if you amazing. could give a you know a, a tax deductible donation to your local private school. Imagine, sorry, public school. Imagine what you could do yep. if you were making the case of going, hey, instead of spending seven thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. uh, for this, you know, uh, you know, this private school, just imagine sending your kid to this public school spending a thousand dollars a year as a donation mm. and getting a tax deduction yeah and it made like that money would go so far you and just...
1: them having kick-ass facilities and them having yep. you know a, a, a experienced qualified uh, you know teachers who can give them a, a leg up ostensibly yep. because they are people who've really applied themselves and might even be dare i say an expert within their field of study Honestly
0: um, the, the 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 war on public schooling is i think just really sickening because like it is one of the few things that can actually build um, yep. a more equitable society and and it builds better people because you are like you are exposed to more people than in your little insular crappy yes. social circle and and that actually makes you a better person absolutely like, like and I it, it's as simple as that, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway. And while
1: we while we mandate that you know students, young people need to be students for at least you know, ten years of their life, if not longer, um, we should be providing them every chance to do it. And I and look, I, I will say this as someone who sends their kids to an independent Christian school, um, I, I don't believe that my school should be getting any funding from the government. Other than maybe a capital works grant, which they should apply for accordingly and have to compete like everybody else, Mm -hmm. um, they shouldn't be getting, you know, like I pay my taxes. However, I'm also choosing to pay fees to send my kids to school.
0: Now... it's 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 hilarious when they go we're supporting everyone's choice it's like well hang on i I make all sorts of choices that you don't subsidize every day of the week 100 (laughs) percent. now look i
1: I will i will acknowledge straight away that because of my position within um my you know my church job that i get a fee subsidy within the school um that and they offer that to people in my position who send their kids to the school and that's super generous and super helpful and I can tell you almost directly that if it wasn't for that it would be a pretty tough time in the Mulk household let me tell you yeah um but that's a choice that myself and lovely wife made hmm. not Scott Morrison not you not anybody else we decided to do that with with our two now the people that live down the street and send their kids to Terrigal High or Terrigal uh, state school Terrigal public school great awesome Keep doing that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mind you, within the state system in New South Wales, as you know, Dave, there's also a whole bunch of
0: selective public schools. Oh, and they are, they are problematic for their own reason. Right from the get-go, right? Yeah, but that's,
1: again, beyond sort of the, the scope of our, our glorious conversation yeah. about television. Yeah, um, it is. It's, it's, it's do you, do you remember, do you a what challenge.
0: You remember, do you remember what your first question of the Mox, uh TV talk was to everyone?
1: I actually can't, Dave.
0: It was always... What was your first memory of television?
1: Gosh, what is your first memory of television, Dave?
0: Well, actually, Steve, now that you mention that... <laughs> <laughs> I walked straight into that. Yep. Uh, no.
1: Oh, God, yeah. Oh, boy corporate. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. With the, we need to start the whiteboard up again. Yep.
0: Oh, God, yeah. I f- found out um, at a meeting last week mm-hmm. that uh, there's some pretty substantial problems with the plumbing at uh, at the unit. Not not, oh. not just our unit, but the, the entire complex. Oh, Dave. Yep. And it's like, so we're going to have to put on a special levy. Oh. And the special levy is we need you all to come up with $5,000 by the end of the month. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I think I've told you in the past, we... we, we Rent our little unit out to a, a social housing provider. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, I was just going through some stuff this year. We haven't put the rent up on that place in five years. <laughs> oh, Dave! Wow. So, which, which you know, for the most part, just didn't worry us. Like, like, no. Phenomenal, like, like no? because it, like, it, it, the, the, it covered the mortgage and it covered yep. the most of the expenses and stuff like that. And and it's fine. And we are incredibly lucky well, to, to have you to have the tax break of have, negative gearing and all the rest the of it. Unit. Um, but but the fact that we you know, haven't put the rent up there for five years also means ooh. that we don't haven't like accumulated a, too much money in the ooh. account there. So the whole f- yeah, you know, it's like ooh, that's a punch in the dick, Dave. It's, <laughs> it's like ah uh, yeah,
1: like that again. stings and I can feel it from here.
0: Well well look, fortunately we, we got our tax done like a, about oh. a month ago. So we we do Amazing. have some money there, but it's like like. <laughs> With, like we had these pla- some plans for what to do with that money around the house, and now they're sort of like just floating away. Like, <laughs> like, like you, you can think of like an old school cartoon yeah. with like pieces of cash with little dove wings, wings. on it yeah, <laughs> yeah. floating Flatten. away. That's it. You That's our dreams. <laughs> what to do around the house you know. because we need to fix the plumbing.
1: <laughs> but this is this is the long the short term pain for the long term gain, right? It it's is. It argument. is. We know. It's five grand worth of plumbing we are never going to see in our human lives. However, when mm-hmm. we do then eventually liquidate that house, that, that unit,
0: uh, we've scored the benefit of it. Well, the, the bigger issue was that... Um, and again, we, we'd been lucky. Our unit hadn't copped this as badly as some of the other ones. Like, like it, when I say it's... Like, the special levy not just on us. It's... No, it's everyone. All, all the owners. No, it's equalised um, across all of the units. Yeah, yeah. We were, we were all putting in five grand. Um, and some of them, yeah, it, like... Roots, Stephen, roots from the neighbor's trees yep. have cost us $25,000. Yep. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, it, it's got to be good. It's got to be fixed because if we didn't fix it, what would happen is stuff would leak and then the foundations would rot and then the whole thing would fall down. And that would be much more costly than $25,000. Yes. Oh, dear. But it, that was just a a little surprise, a little, Hi,
1: how's your week? Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> Yep.
0: Oh dear. But
1: oh, mate, we're, we're about to fall into that, right? Like we yeah. we are hoping to get some, some more detailed plans soon that we can start shopping around to builders where they will say to us that yes, this is going to cost you 11 million dollars more than you want to. Mm. And just I don't even want to start to You are so that.
0: brave. I just I I think I'm going to die in this house just because the the, the cheaper. The, well, yeah, well, but the idea of going anywhere else or doing anything else is just too fraught for me at this point in time. I've I've, I've been con- like thinking about this recently, and I really have hit the point in my life where I, I, it's almost like I don't want to make any decisions. And so I was just like, well, mm-hmm. there's a path in front of me, and I can keep taking it. And you know, thankfully, it's one that's relatively comfortable, and 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 um, like oh, I won't say it's. Safe because I, I work for a company that uses you know redundancies just as a uh, you know <laughs> it, it, it my, my, any month could uh, be redundancy month in our place but yeah so so far I've managed to dodge that uh, but you know for I just keep going yeah like I I just I, I'm hitting the point where I just don't want to make decisions and the idea of like building a house like you just oh. It frightens me. Like even just buying a different house and moving into it is is a shocking idea for me. Yeah. Um, like, like like I look at housing prices, Stephen, and, and I, I and I do realize that our little place is worth more than you know what we bought it for. Or you know, yes. al- al- almost twenty years ago. Yeah. But but I can't just imagine that it is worth anything relative to what these other places are. And so the idea of just going. How much money? Yeah. And, um, so you are a braver man than me, Stephen Mock. I just... It just makes my head spin. Oh,
1: mate. It, it's, it, depending on where it lands and what happens, it, it could just be we pay for someone to come in and level the place and put some stuff down and, and put a pad that we can just lift in our own granny flat. Mm. And there's <laughs> just three granny flats on site. And that's <laughs> it.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah, it just... It, it's... And, and, and this is the thing. I say this like I talk about this you know frightening concept of trying to buy a house or move mm-hmm. Get, when I already have like an asset base behind me like th- this is the next thing like I've realised ha- half the stress that I have with my children like like parenting conflicts over you know school and stuff like that yep I what I've, I've realised is that it's actually a, a big part of it is me externalising my stress over my kid's future, Yeah. like I think that's a massive, massive part of it, because, like the 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 paths that, uh, Rach and I took, uh, through like through uni and to you know into the workforce, yes. they they almost don't exist anymore, mm. I, and, uh, and I know that like there have been some alternatives pop up that. You know if you have the right sort of temperament and skill set and whatever um that can be rewarding and or lucrative or whatever but um that that's not most people and yeah like just mm-hmm. trying to think my way through how on earth i i, I help get these two teenagers from yep. um, a student who lives with their parents into a position where they start an independent life that's just a math like a mammoth undertaking at the moment and and i personally just find it hard to to see how it's going to happen and I, and I, and so i think that's where a lot of like that that stress then drives con- conflict like at one yep. level i shouldn't care whether my kids uh like like what they're Achievement level at school is like you know I should care that they apply themselves that they that they make an effort that they try absolutely uh, um, and you know sometimes I feel you know that that, that their effort could be greater but I've realised that a lot of that angst about well could they be doing better isn't about oh they haven't applied themselves it's it's about Jesus if if this is as good as you can get I don't know what we, what there's going to be to offer you like I don't know like what paths are available like it's. You know, when, when we went through high school, yes. um, TAFE was such a broad spectrum yeah. of amazing, uh, you know, career-based really opportunities. Um, like, like, every course pretty much aligned you to a particular kind of career. And yep. and again, there was a, like a massive variety of things there. Some great, some horrible, whatever. But But they were there. And, and like TAFE's been gutted, all that sort of vocational mm-hmm. stuff. It, 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 like, firstly, it's more expensive than it used to be, but yes. secondly, it um, what's being offered is way way more limited than it than it was when we were younger. And, and then you know, just this month, the changes. Who do we to, have to thank for that day? Well, that yeah, no, it's not. The changes to higher education are just so astonishing. Like like the, the the costs that it's going that that you know, like the debts that our kids are going to have to manage should they decide to go to university oh yeah it's just it's mind boggling
1: look and and there's there's a whole bunch of stuff in the midst of that right like i i reflect everything that you're saying back to you i feel
0: similarly i are you yelling at your kids for it <laughs> Well, we, we, are you, are you externalising that fear the way I am? Am we, I alone? <laughs> we've had
1: a pretty direct conversation with Mr. 15, who's in grade 10 and had to make his decision around subjects for 11 and 12. Um, and this has always been the thing that's struggled, even when I, I, I do still remember back to having to make some of those com, you know, kind of considerations when I was in you know grade 11 and 12 in Queensland in, gosh, 1989, 1990. Um, what, what, what do I want to do with my life? I don't know like the ostensibly dave the pressure of choosing some subjects that either push me directly into the thing that i want to do or um, give me the broadest possible opportunity to choose what i want to do when i get given tertiary options if that's the way i'm headed then ultimately lock me in for three to something four or five years to complete my undergraduate degree, to then go and start that job, to then maybe five to ten years down the track go, nah, I don't want to do this. Like, to some degree, I was the lucky one, Dave. Mm-hmm. I, I got two years into my chemistry degree and went, no, this is not what I want to do. Um, I still wore the cost of that hex debt. However, within three years of working,
0: guess who'd paid his hex debt off? Yeah, and that's the thing, like... Um, I was reflecting on it the other day. I'm, I'm pretty sure I was paying like twelve hundred bucks a semester in yeah. fees.
1: It was it was nothing when I went to university in the early '90s. I think I came away with a grand total bill for the two years that I completed of my um, applied science chemistry degree of about eight to nine grand. Yeah. Yep. Like, and and that's that's a that's a semester now. Yep. Yes like it a it, oh look I'll unload right we're having a good swing at the church I might as well throw this in <laughs> I am I, I'm the church for all of its foibles Dave and I, I love her dearly um, is in a is in a desperate position somewhat uh, and this is not just my my faith movement that I'm going to talk about but broadly speaking it is across the board most mainline denominations including our Pentecostal brothers and sisters uh, as much as they would jump up and down and shout and say that it's not the case. Not only is the pew shrinking, the amount of people that come to church, mm-hmm. but the pulpit is aging significantly. Ooh, yeah, and yeah. just just within my movement, I think we worked out there's something like 40 or 50 percent of ministers retire in the next five years. Now, we are not backfilling that void or, or that expected sort of exit um, as quickly as we would want to need to, to meet. That
0: retirement and, situation. And, and, and you can't do what uh, the Catholic Church has been doing and just bringing them all out of South America and Vietnam.
1: <laughs> oh, mate. No, no, well, we can do and have done. in oh. a- There are a lot of South African United Church ministers.
0: Oh, right. Not necessarily to our
1: credit either, let me tell you. Oh, dear. Um, uh, but, you know, and, and from, I mean, we, we, most faiths will take ministers from other faiths. You just got Mm. to go through a process and agree. Yes. Here. I agree with your theology now versus what I had before. Whatever. The United Church is the broadest of churches because we'll take just about anyone who believes just about anything. Um, Well, to be fair,
0: to be fair, you are two churches that, you know,
1: three. (laughs) Oh, three. Sorry. My mistake. That's right. Methodist, Presbyterian and Congregationalist came together. And in 1977 in June, uh, what we call union took place. Anyway, it's not a history podcast. Um, the So we've got a bunch of ministers retiring, we don't have the numbers backfilling, but at the same time, we've got congregations shrinking and closing down, but not at a rate that equals the number of ministers retiring. So consequently, we have this weird mix of um, some, but a decreasing number of full-time placements, a number of 0.5 to 0.8, so, half-time to three-quarter-time uh, jobs or placements. And then even a few that shrink under that. Right. Wow. Um, it is still it is still to my great bloody... I'll call it anger. It just gets under my skin so much. That there's a congregation in North Queensland who have a point 0.1 placement. <laughs> point 0.1, Dave.
0: Wow. So, it just shows up for Mass and for funerals?
1: <laughs> they basically want them to turn up on Sunday, preach, yep. give them communion, and maybe run a bible study that's it now no no human can live on a point one job the benefit to ministry is that when you retire you move out of this notion of being in in placement and you move into supply supply ministry dave where you know for example this full-time minister over here might go i'm due for long service leave and i'm going away for three months great well Here's a supply minister that will come in for three months and basically keep their hand on the on, on the, the steering wheel and make sure that this thing goes straight and then comes back and you go, great, thanks very much, I'm here to keep going. So as a, as a newly retired person, supply ministry is, I won't say a scam, but it's a great way to earn a little bit of extra cash because hmm. guess what, ministry doesn't give you a whole bunch of superannuation.
0: Funnily uh, enough.
1: Yeah, funnily enough indeed. Um, so in and of itself, that's okay. But here's here's the rub. This is what gets me more than anything else. Up until about five years ago, people who applied to become a minister, candidated is the process we call, um, and and, and went through that process, everyone who was successful in candidating for ministry, obviously we expect you to do uh, either a Bachelor of Theology or a Bachelor of Ministry or postgraduate study in theology, you know, on top of what you maybe have already done um, so that you've got the chops. You've done the hard yards, read the books, done the things.
0: Has it become Um, costly?
1: Well, here's the thing, Dave. Up until about five years ago, the church footed the bill for that.
0: Uh, To some degree,
1: quite rightly so. Hmm. You know, we are applying, I'm I'm giving my life to the church contextually and uh, no one goes into, at least in, in, you know, old school Protestant, denominations no one goes into ministry to become a millionaire um no you know they're,
0: they're all over in the pentecostal church. that's right
1: you brian houston's or your benny Hinn's, <laughs> um and a whole list of other names that i can
0: bore people with
1: um you get know a, like
0: get a golf stream
1: you don't even earn a wage you earn, you're given a stipend So it's essentially an acknowledgement of the way that church fits into our structure within society and the way the government sees churches independent of all of the foibles of this, that the ministers who are working for them, who have given their lives to be in this ministry, don't get paid a wage. They basically get given a gift every month that is essentially some form of salary. There's also allowances because of the nature of the tax deductible benefits of, of what they do. Mm-hmm. That means that they can get car allowances and, and phone allowances and that sort of thing. Housing allowances. Um, if the congregation doesn't have a, manse, a property that the minister can live in, because that's also been a bit of the social contract in that, that each congregation would have a place where the minister lives. And you know, when you're called to that place, you just move into the house. Well done. Um, so, see yeah, up until recently, the church has paid for that. Guess what they don't do anymore, Dave?
0: I'm guessing through the context of our conversation so far, Stephen, that they don't pay for the theology degrees anymore. They don't pay
1: for the theology degree anymore. And, Dave, you want to know who's making the decisions about that? Uh, A whole bunch of ministers who got their theology degree paid for by the church. <laughs> and And the thing that bites, the thing that bites me so hard in this is that I've heard from more than one both candidate and and other person and it is it's not even an open secret it's just discussed because ministers aren't paid very much just put your your study on hex and you'll never have to pay it back <laughs> Dave
0: <laughs> it makes me
1: so angry. It makes okay. Look, me so angry.
0: Steve, I, I I appreciate I appreciate your your righteous anger, and I and I I call it that quite lovingly. Um, but let's be honest. Uh, it, Churches being tax cheats is not new.
1: It's it is (laughs) diabolical that that we have gotten to a position. It's on brand, is what it is. (laughs) That we've gotten to a position that we think that this is acceptable. It is horrendous, Dave. Now I know that that you know the kind of ministry that that particularly the United Church do a bunch of that costs money you know, having, having people do things and we're involved in a lot of different kind of social and service kind of organizations and do things under our various banners that do a lot of good within our communities. And I mean, broadly like communities, not just within the church community. And, and yes, there is an element of government funding that comes into that because it's much cheaper for the government to give us some money to do that on their behalf instead of them having the services there and having to pay for it all themselves. Um, I can tell you that we don't get enough money to run it all by itself, though. It's not, it's not no, completely no. outsourced. There's well, a cost again, in it for Again, which is
0: why so many of the churches have jumped into the other cash cow. Although I, I think they haven't been as successful in the uh, employment providers' <laughs> services.
1: No. Mate, and, and look, I, I acknowledge straight away that if um, even 50% of the students moved out of private education, independent education into public schools... Um, and fifty percent of the funding that currently goes to independent and private schools, and it goes into the public sector. Guess what? That will more than solve for the fifty percent of students coming in. Like it would just the overflow effect on that would be incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the the challenge in this is that when, when we talk about like no minister in a congregation in, in Uniting Church land is. Um, is in a position where they're getting government a government grant to help them stand up the front and preach and look after the flock, right? None of that, that's not how that works. Um, with <laughs> Except the exception of the allowances <laughs> made under JobKeeper, which came under pressure from a whole bunch of churches on the government, blah, blah, blah. Um, in 2019, no minister standing in a pulpit, at least in the United Church, was getting any kind of government funding to stand there and do that. Um so it, it, is, it does all come out of the pockets of the faithful, as it should. Hmm. Sure, I totally no, absolutely. get that. For the, for, the, for the work of God and for the work of the church to be involved in and to enable ministry within the community that they are a part of. That's how it's supposed to function. Um, it absolutely burns me that we decide to play loopholes in you know, tax law and in, in the way things function to enable things to go. It, no, that's not how it goes. That's not how it should function. Um, it's a, it,
0: look, it, it I'm makes, about to make myself
1: very unpopular. I think, Dave.
0: It makes for a very interesting uh, discussion on, you know, ethics, doesn't it? <laughs> is it legal? Absolutely. Is mm-hmm. it... Oh, this is it. Rendered to Caesar
1: that which is Caesar's, right? Like it is.
0: <laughs> is it ethical? Oh. Well, well.
1: Yeah. Oh, Dave, it's <laughs> it's bloody horrendous, is what oh, it is. It's ho- no, uh, I've, follows that, me that, up on a number of layers. That's
0: made my day, Stephen. That's that is that's a classic.
1: And and I can't, uh. whenever I have a conversation with someone, all I get is like, eh, like, we've tried to change it, but no one's listening to us. I'm going to have to be that guy. I'm going to have to be mm. the guy. And I'm already that guy, Dave, because I stand up and say, hey, old people, there's a whole bunch of young people that either A, are connected to the church or B, should be connected to the church. You're not doing your job. How well do you think that goes down, Dave?
0: other thing i have found steve um even though i have a a limited work history and have had the same job for Mm. effectively 20 years now um i i have found out that people don't like being told that they're not very good at doing their job (laughs) oh dave
1: but particularly old people who lament on one hand they are lamenting that there are no young people or few young people in the church anymore what How can we fix this? And there are some who very desperately are trying very hard to do that. And thats I'm here for them.
0: Here's the thing. You you guys, you raised them.
1: (laughs) Well, I had this discussion with some pretty important people within the Uniting Church just this week, Dave. Hmm. Um, How did it get to be like this? How did we get that the average age of a member within a Uniting Church is 60-something? That's
0: diabolical.
1: Um, And that, that there's a huge void between basically 55 and, and 25 or, or 15. Like a, a yawning chasm. Um, and in part, and this is not just us, I think this spins sort of broadly for, for faith, certainly for Protestantism, because yeah, Catholic so. guilt has a lot to answer for. Yeah, um,
0: I, look, they, they're not doing so... so. Uh, oh no, they flash, got their own challenges. Yeah. But
1: you, you're a Catholic for life, mate. And, you know, yeah, well, there's so all I've sorts of told. stuff that lays into that. Mm. Um, like we were having this conversation and, and and it really came down to, and look, I'm no sociologist, but I'll, I'll pin this to the wall and stand by it. If we go back to say the fifties, um, even prior to World War II, the church was the center of society. Most, most people all went to church of some formal faith. Um, Everybody knew each other, particularly if we talk about country towns. Mm, um, yep. But mo- most people went to church, were connected to church in some way. Uh, the minister was well known within the community. And if you were a kid and you were doing the wrong thing, um, you know, either Betty from four doors down or three blocks away saw you, or the minister saw you and you knew you were in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where even in some cases, if the minister um, disciplined you, that was okay. Like that was accepted and acceptable, um, and then, really, the sixties happened, and a whole bunch of people went. We don't need to go to church. We don't need your thing. We're you know we're bucking the system, man. Um, and the church, rather than saying at that point, generally speaking, hey, we'd love to understand why you think that is, or what, what you know, all this other stuff. And and we know that they were railing against rules and regulations and don't have sex before you get married and all of the standard kind of, you know, stuff that that kind of fit into that. But instead, what the church did was double down on the rules and double down on that. Now, I'm not saying that rules are bad. I'm just saying that what they did was they leaned harder into um, abstinence of all forms of, you know, moralistic judgment of all of that sort of stuff. They just went, hard which is definitely not what the 60s were about um and then they just sort of people started to move away and and while there were still people connected to church with kids and that's how the church had perpetuated itself for hundreds of years you know you went to church you had kids you brought them to church that cycle kept going kids stopped coming to church and then people stopped bringing their kids to church got to the 80s and well what can you do why would i bring my kids to church um, and so we we had this notion that, that spawned out of the 60s and 70s of having youth ministers and youth workers and stuff. And is it raining at your place, Dave? Can you tell? A little. Great <laughs> this to be in hap- the shed.
0: This, this is what happens when you're
1: podcasting the shed. Amazing. Um <laughs> So, you know, push that. They introduced this notion of youth ministers, youth workers, youth pastors, people who specialised in working with young people. And you know what, Dave?
0: That worked. They abused their positions?
1: Well, there were were certainly people that abused their position of privilege, but that goes for anybody Mm. in power, particularly relational power. Um, There are people that will take advantage of that. But for churches that spent the time, effort and energy in training people to specialise in ministry with young people, It worked young people engaged and connected in faith were drawn in or drawn back into the church and it was amazing and then in the uniting churches situation you know what we decided in the 90s wasn't important anymore cool yeah so we stopped we stopped training youth workers we stopped providing the opportunity to call people into specified ministry with young people and then we fast forward to 2020 and we go why are there no young people
0: in the church Oh, look, it's Holy not, it's not, crap, crab it's not just churches you know, you, you know I've talked to you plenty of times about apex clubs and stuff like that, and you know i like i, I uh you know I, I do I look back fondly on some of the time i spent in in apex and you know I was happy that that kind of organization um existed, but yes. I remember even when i not long after I'd first joined in the late nineties. Like, as an organisation they were already worried about the, the dramatic drop in numbers that they'd seen since the early 80s yep um, and lots of people tried lots of different things in order to uh, correct course and it just didn't happen mate it just didn't like the Apex Clubs still exist but they are few and far between they are um, yeah, few in number and, and small in membership Uh And, you know, uh, and again, they were the canary in the coal mine. Uh, uh, Lions now aren't seeing this, you know, progression of people out of Apex into Lions that was traditionally the thing for for years. Uh, And Rotary are in the sort of instance where, like, their membership is aging and they don't know how to get younger people involved in their organization. And, of course, uh, it's a pretty vicious cycle because once you hit that point where you are a you know, relatively geriatric sort of organization you actually become far less inclined uh to make the sort of changes that may make it more appealing to younger people and so you end up signing your own death warrant um look
1: it, it's it the challenge the challenge honestly dave is that old people and and i'm going to use these terms really broadly right old people have forgotten what it's like to be a young person.
0: I've forgotten what it's like to be a young person. And I'm only in my early forties.
1: Oh yeah. But see Dave, the the challenge is that you're being rapidly reminded of what it is to be a young person. Oh God. Because you have young people in your life, in your house who are going through this process. And this, this we'll we'll wrap it up on this because I could talk about this for another two and a half hours uh, and have done in the past. Um, when young people hit their age of puberty and start to sort of understand who they are or make decisions about that, um, they're making decisions about their identity, the nature of belonging, and their purpose in life. And when they're doing that as a teenager, it is the first time they are making those decisions for themselves. Mum and dad have made those decisions for them up until that point, And that in itself is where we get some of the anger and, and friction and rub between parents and young people, because they're trying to express and find and work out where they land as who they are. And parents have varying degrees of understanding in that. Some of them are quite generous and loving and welcoming and go, hey, that's great. Either, I know that's a phase and you'll grow through that, or you'll land somewhere in that and we still love you no matter how that works. And others are like, no, no, you're a young boy, we expect you to grow up into a man and do this and this and this, and when that young person either comes out to them as trans or comes out as gay or whatever, whatever, those parents are then seeing whatever their dreams and plans were for their young person, crushed, and of course it's their young person's fault. So that kind of stuff becomes a challenge, the place, finding a place of belonging, uh, finding a place where they can develop their purpose, is in itself a unique challenge that the church used to really help in and should be helping in again, should be allowing that safe place for them to express who they are, to find a place of belonging and to, to be um, developing that sense of purpose. What do I want to do with my life and where do I want to do it once I work out who I am? Now, you and I both know, Dave, that you will make those decisions again many times in your life. You will make adjustments to who I think I am, adjustments to you know where I find belonging. Um, you may even completely reset what my purpose in life, and and you know make that decision again and reinvent yourself. That happens. It's that first time that young people do it. That a lot of old people look at young people and they just see them as more than aliens, Dave. They just go, it is completely foreign to me, but miss the absolute core humanity in it that these young people are trying to express and determine and and really come to grips with who they know they are or who, determine who they know they are. When old people, and I say old people looking at probably people our parents' age, when they did it, they still went through it. They just had bigger um, uh, fights with their parents or much different parameters to deal with. Our young people have access to every piece of knowledge in the world and past history available to them in a small black box they carry in their hand. Is it any wonder that they are torn further about how they develop their identity, where they fit, and what they're gonna do with their life when they get to have the ability to try and look at and understand, I can be anything, Dave. Not just what my parents think I should be or what society compels me to be. I can absolutely be anything. And we need to care about them and love them and let them work through that and stand there right beside them as they make those decisions so that then when they look at us and go, I need some help, we go, no stress, we're right with you.
0: You are a very insightful man, Stephen Monk. these These are the moments that I love.
1: I just love people and i particularly love young people and it pains me greatly that the church has lost its way in how we love and care for these young ones it's horrendous this is what we used to specialize in dave
0: yeah look i i i think you are um fighting a bit of an uphill battle but i'm glad that you have the passion to keep doing it stephen and I'm gonna love keep you. fighting
1: Dave. Love
0: you too. You go you go watch things go around a track.
1: Oh I'm gonna I love this bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Take care, buddy. Bye. Thanks, mate.